0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so excited that you are here with me today. I have some very special guests, Moni and Krista Kelso, Giants in the Kingdom. Moni has been a worship pastor. They've led. Worship ministries together. He was the president and CEO of the Slingshot Group that staffs and coaches and uh, helps launch churches all across America. He's now stepping back into a less intense role with Slingshot Group and really stepping into a time of mentoring and really just pouring into leaders all over the country that he's built relationships with. Krista has an incredible ministry called Be Free Indeed. that serves those that struggle with anxiety and depression and mental health and uh, has really turned her personal struggle with uh, mental health into a powerful ministry that provides a safe place for those that are struggling to come and build community and uh, receive a prayer and healing and support. So. I was really excited to have this conversation with them. Monty was just a significant part of some healing that I walked through in my life, uh, in ministry, and I'm just so honored that they joined me. So I think you're gonna enjoy this conversation. We talk about their story, we talk about the things that God's doing in and through them, about uh, really seeing God and Jesus in the middle of the hard, dark things, what it looks like to um, suffer well, and to surrender the things that you can't control. I really hope that you listen intently. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Let's Monty and Krista Kelso, hey. welcome hey. Yeah, Welcome Hi. to Nashville. <laughs> We're sitting here in the Kelso Cottage in Nashville. Franklin. Franklin, and it's adorable. You guys have a crazy gift for creating spaces that are really awesome. Thank you. It's mm-hmm. fun.
1: We're super sensitive to environment. Yeah. You know, it, it matters.
0: It does. Yeah. It does. And you guys have a very unique gift with environment. Well, thank and, you for that. An right. environment can bring peace and healing and mm-hmm. safety. Totally. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It connects people too. It
0: does. So I've known you guys for a long time. I mean, Monty, you're like a who's who in the church world in america with slingshot <laughs> you and stan you you know everybody and their grandmother and uh churches and krista you have an amazing ministry mm-hmm. be free indeed and uh, you pour into people and have such a gift to again create safe spaces and give people um places to be themselves and to be heard and, and to be seen freedom. and to find freedom <laughs> it's so good but mm-hmm. i've known you guys for a while, my husband, Norm, mm-hmm. is a bass player. And years ago, we were still mm-hmm. living in San Diego, he started uh, working with Maranatha Music, doing yes. Worship Leader Workshops, which was way before worship conferences. Oh, yeah, this yeah. was the first version of that. We and logged
1: a lot of miles together. Yeah,
0: you were the yeah. the team leader on yeah. the worship team that he traveled with. Yes. 12 yeah. years they traveled. Isn't it crazy? It yeah. a long
1: time, in the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I remember... The first time I met you, I'd heard about you, this guy, Monty. You guys did the first uh, worship leader workshop that was local that you guys did in, in Orange County. And I, I just remember sitting, we were sitting in the car waiting, and you, in your convertible Saab, kind of pulled right next to us with the top down, and I'm like, yeah, that's a Monty right there. That's him. Oh, no. That was the beginning of a beautiful friendship, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you were the worship pastor at Coast Hills Church in mm-hmm. Aliso Viejo. You were the founding worship pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we moved to Orange County, we weren't there. Initially, Norm was playing there, but eventually we ended up at that yeah. church. best thing
1: that could have happened to us was when the Stockmans
0: came Aww. to well, Coast Hills. We loved oh, it so much. Seriously, you—I don't know if I've ever told you this, but God really used you— to bring a lot of healing to me hmm. in that space and hmm. coming from a denomination that had a lot of legalism and yeah. moments and a lot of, um, you know, confidence Maybe is putting pride in their, and in
1: their place what, a little bit women, <laughs> I, yeah,
0: as a woman and you growing were this up, outrageous
1: and leader it, and with all these gifts and abilities that I got to kind of uncork those things in
0: Oh me, well, and
1: seeing you always rise to the occasion
0: your encouragement and your affirmation and your just not really taking my insecurity (laughs) and just kind of bulldozing over it and going, you're going to do this. Hey, why don't you leave this? You know, it, I mean it, God used you in tremendous Mm -hmm. ways to bring a lot of healing and to um, bring a lot of redemption. So thank you. Um, you you had a significant role hmm. in that and we had a lot of fun there were a lot of oh man we could we tell some stories and some oh my god all sorts of things green room <laughs> stories wow. yeah green room <laughs> and something.
1: i think you were there when i think about the 20 years that i was there nearly 20 years the the sweet spot there was that that threshold of time probably late 90s early 2000s that it seems like god was just pouring out blessing yeah uh, Lisa Belasy called using the Camelot.
0: Us. Yeah, <laughs> and using
1: the worship ministry and the arts ministry there to yeah. affect a lot of churches. Which
2: yeah,
1: I had no idea at that time that I would eventually go into staffing churches, yeah. you know, and coaching churches. Coast Hills was the laboratory in some ways that prepared me uh-huh. to do what I do now, Sunshine yeah. like Group.
0: So funny, it's like six degrees of separation. I mean, there, there's so much interconnection with so many different people now and um, even we just did Norm's Grooves and Sushi. Norm's my husband. He's a bass player. <laughs> he has a series called Grooves and Sushi. Go check it out on YouTube. Yeah, um, awesome. and it's amazing. But he's
1: not just a bass player. He's
0: yeah, a, yeah true. No. But it was such a convergence because no. you know we had Rob Rinderer playing, yeah. and we had uh, Kevin Reyes, who was a kid on the worship team. He was mm-hmm. one of the video guys, and mm-hmm. I and Victor Dizon and his family. You know, I oh, mean, just and all, all of, all of these people. Yeah. You know, Justin Hepner and Derek DePena. You know, it's their yeah. co-pass. The church that allowed us to use okay, it. Yeah. I lead worship there every week now and yeah. a partner with oh, them. Awesome. So it was oh just gosh. this like all of the worlds converging. Wow. So super fun. But yeah, you guys are uh, giants in the kingdom and a mama and the papa in the faith. I know you mm-hmm. have lots of sons and daughters sprinkled all over the US in churches everywhere. And um, you've had a lot of impact and a lot of influence, and so um, I just want to say that and affirm mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And now you're already going to have Thank you for that. Me, we'll talk about. <laughs> um, no, it's a big deal, and so it's an honor to have you here. Thank you thank for you. taking Thanks the time. Thanks for inviting us. There are so many things we could talk about. We could do a whole series <laughs> on, you know, ministry. Work. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. Leadership. Um, and maybe we'll go into a lot of those places. But I would love for you guys to share a bit of your story. You've been How long have you been married now?
2: 43 years. 43 yeah. years. 43 years in November. In November. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah, we met in 1977. We, yeah. You have
0: served in church and ministry for a lot of years. One of the things that I really appreciated about Coast Hills, again, because I came from a denomination that mental health was never really addressed Mm -hmm. psychology was considered really pretty Mm -hmm. evil and i understand this is like i'm talking about 80s early 90s when Mm -hmm. a lot of pop psychology was very self-focused and a little Mm -hmm. off but there was that you know old things are passed away everything's become new are you are you praying are you in the word get over it Then get over it (laughs) and there was no space for people to struggle with right. anxiety, depression, um, so many different things. and that were a lot really, of secrets because of that. A lot of secrets and yeah. a lot of damage that was done, yes. a lot of people hiding in shame yes. because okay. there was no safe place to say, I'm struggling, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with something. Right. And I know you guys have had your own journey with that. And mm-hmm. so I would love for as much as you're willing Mm -hmm. to share your story and you know being someone in leadership a pastor a pastor's wife in this role of authority and then also we walking through that what was that like so wherever you want to start i'll Mm -hmm. let you guys
2: take it Well, i'll just kind of give a bullet point overview of my own mental health and i was raised in um Bible Belt, Indianapolis, actually, not that far from here. I spent my summers right here outside, though, of Bowling Green, about an hour from here at my grandparents. So I had a lot of deep history with my grandparents, a wonderful spiritual legacy through them. My dad had manic depression, never diagnosed, of course, entrepreneur, um, but a very emotionally chaotic home. Hmm. And so I just relished coming down here and having those peaceful, that peaceful time on the farm. So as soon as I could, I got I got out of the house and went to Taylor University for two years and then wanted to go on a summer mission and was a singer mm-hmm. and had done a lot of singing in high school musicals and such. And so I auditioned for Continental Singers and that's where I met Monty. That's right. Yeah, we, we met on tour. We, yeah, were, yeah, a we were a tour, tour couple. couple. <laughs> that was very
1: taboo. Yeah. We were so s- we had to be kind of... About it. We yeah. were
2: sneaky. Do you realize our first guest was right here in Nashville at my That's aunt's right. house?
1: Yeah, let's not go there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. It's kind of a <laughs> cool story. But So we felt passionately in love. We just we're just knew we were for each other. And we got married the next year. And we thought we could settle in southern Indiana where Monty grew up uh, in you know his own family. And they were a real estate family. And so we <laughs> dove into real estate things Another story for another time, but we knew within nine months that this was not where we were going to establish our lives and raise a family. And so um, got a call from Camp Floria, Cotton Ministries, and said, Monty, would you come and, and be in leadership? So we moved to California, finished, wow. he got to finish college there. And so toured with Continentals for several years. And then I went to Coast Hills. While we were touring, you know, we thought, oh, you know, we don't want to have kids for a while, and then started trying to have kids. And I had started um, a, a ministry called Living Alternatives, we were. It was, it was in that era where the abortion clinic crisis was really at the forefront of news and the pro-life movement was right at the forefront of everything. And my sister had actually had a baby as a teenager, so I, I had a lot of heart for gals who found themselves in that situation. So I threw myself into that. Very driven, my dad said, our whole lives to kids, you'll never amount to anything. I'm very disappointed in you. It was very big. it was very much based on wow. his own fear. Yeah. I mean, he was a very fear-based man. His mother was severely, severely depressed um, hmm. half the year. So I remember saying inside as early as 12 when he would say, you'll never amount to anything, I would just think, watch me.
0: Hmm.
2: You just watch me. Yeah. And so I was very driven to be successful. So, yeah, I worked a lot. We were both very, very busy, busy. In fact, the church that we went to, their byline was a busy church always serving. <laughs> and that's what we did, wasn't it?
1: That was on the side of the buses.
2: That's yeah. funny. Yeah. We that's, won't say what, what church that was. Yeah. yeah. We love that church. We love people. But anyway, we started trying to have kids and couldn't. And it, it became a deep deep, deep wound hmm. and ended up having to say, take a sabbatical from that ministry. And that was after we had uh, started Coast Hills and the whole church was praying <laughs> that I would get pregnant. And um, that's a whole nother story, but I had my first clinical depression in the middle of that infertility hmm. um, crisis really. yeah, And um, also had some real difficult challenges with the leadership of Living Alternatives Ministry, so that all converged into a dark, dark place. And at
1: that point, we thought it was circumstantial. Yeah. And it probably was more circumstantial at that point. You
2: know, depression and anxiety has many windows into its roots and manifestations. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. There's terrible circumstances. Anyone that's gone through years of infertility, it takes you to a dark place. Absolutely. You don't have to have that family history of genetic predispositioning. Right. So that was the first one. Well, then God's sense of humor, (laughs) three boys in four years. (laughs) (laughs) Marty was on the road with Maranatha. Wow. And I just want to thank God for the dear friends. I'm going to speak out their names right now. Ron and Sherry Alden. We co- co-familyed co together. On yeah. Ten years, we had houses on the same street right across from each other. And it was a whirlwind of things. Dr. Dobson used to say, you don't ask a mother preschoolers if she's depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you ask her, how depressed are you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, especially going from running a ministry and being on the platform every weekend, leading worship with Monty and Gina and all the wonderful worship team that we had at Coast Hills. And then, you know, being at home with these three little guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so much identity gets formed in those
0: positions you hold. And the affirmation you get, all the things that God's using you to do, then suddenly your home was spit up all over your front and you Mm -hmm. feel like failure. And then it's like you're crumbling under the.
2: I, Um, I remember one day I was in the middle of this closet that was under our staircase and it was where all their toys were and they were all around me. And the toys were everywhere. And I was just, tears were just rolling. In fact, Steve Arterburn interviewed me for one of his radio shows one time. And we were talking about this moment. Tears were rolling down my cheeks. And I said, oh, Jesus, just give me something to hold on to right now. And that verse came to me from Hebrews that said, let us hold unswervingly to the faith that we profess right. <laughs> for you." He's faithful. I forget the exact wording of it, but... um, And he's been so faithful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's been so faithful. So good. So uh, battled through infertility, (coughs) experienced your first bout with depression during that, then... Boom, three kids in four years. Monty's on the road. You he He's also, by this time, you are leading at Coast Hills. And oh, yeah. There's a lot going on.
2: You know, God was just, he always has been so incredibly faithful. I'd say for the first 10 years, you know, I'd say the first intense depression I had was before Connor was born. So that would have been when I was about 30, 31. And I I did ask one of my favorite doctors why, why did this not manifest until I was 30? Hmm. And he said, you can have a genetic predispositioning for mental health problems, but until you have a trauma or dark circumstances, that door doesn't open. Hmm. And so that was important for me to understand, is yeah. that, you know, why? And I was in also some understanding of Scripture that, that was not really helping me find the freedom. I don't even know how to put this. It didn't allow me the freedom to feel like I wasn't failing,
0: yeah, Does that make well, sense? It's sort Is that of
2: what like I you were it? talking
1: about in the church that you grew up in yes. where it wasn't okay to not be okay.
2: Right. And, but but and that wasn't the church that we ran. No, it wasn't.
1: But I, I think in the 90s, yes. that's kind of where mental health issues were. Yeah, They were, they were locked in a closet yes. or up yes. on a shelf yes. and people didn't want to come to terms with it. Yeah, So our solution was to pray harder, read more scripture, and basically pray it away.
2: Fast, yeah. use supplements.
1: Well, that was the it's, next. That was yeah, the next I step. Mean, everything, yeah, everything it seemed to be okay to treat it with natural remedies rather yes. than medication because medication right. was so suspect.
2: Yeah, it was. It was, and I didn't want to. And then fast forward to the year 2000, I'll never forget the day. I was having lunch with two dear sweet friends and all of a sudden I felt like I was watching, watching the conversation from up here. Hmm. And I was like, this is not good. Got in the car to go pick up the boys from school and I all of a sudden didn't know where I was. Hmm. And I was having a panic attack. Hmm. And thank God, We'd finally gotten a cell phone <laughs> and um, I called Monty and I, I said I don't know where I'm at. I I, I and I was panicking. So anyway he came and got me in. And that's when I got, you know, to enter into the medical. So I did, I started a medication mm-hmm. and it helped. Yeah. And then about, I don't know, four or five months later, it wasn't helping as much. And I wasn't, you know, as stable. They added a second one. Mm-hmm. Then as the years went on, the medication aspect of it progressed. And then we got to a point where when we left Coast Hills in 04, I had been on probably in the 2 years after that probably 20 different combinations and cocktails mm-hmm. of medications. Yeah. It and was a moving
1: target. It
2: was a moving target. And at that
1: point, I think we were bring the meds <laughs> <You> whatever <laughs> whatever I mean, it takes. It just
2: got it just got to where every But I think year, the doctors
1: got prescription happy too.
2: Clearly, no doubt. Did I
0: mean, you have an official diagnosis at this point, or were they kind yes. of shooting in the and, wind? Yeah, and to hit I something? don't.
2: I don't use labels anymore, yeah. and um, all the people that I work with at B, Free and D, we just don't use them. And even yeah. my current doctor that I have, who I absolutely adore, he won't use labels. Yeah. He, and the reason is, is because different people have different definitions, even yeah. in the medical community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was you're depressed or there's a manic depression. There wasn't bipolar one, bipolar two. Right. I haven't heard there's bipolar so many three. Yeah. I mean, who, where'd that come from? You know, it's gotten so out of hand, Gina. Yeah. That it's really crazy making. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So I've gone through... Um, now three decades of this journey and,
1: and it's really always hard. a fight. I mean, it is a fight always to maintain health, but even more so to overcome, uh, mental health issues. And yeah. you have fought well, but I think, I think one of the things I admire about how you've dealt with it is you have dealt with it holistically. Mm-hmm. In that it's mind, body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. And fortunately, you're a disciplined person, who who maintains all those areas. Can you imagine <laughs> what life would be if you weren't tending to I those other here. areas? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be here.
0: Yeah. So Monty, you're in this. Mm -hmm. Life. You have this position. You've got three kids. You're traveling Mm -hmm. with Meredith Music, all this stuff. And then your wife is battling. Mm -hmm. What is that doing to you? How are you guys coping? How do you as a husband Mm -hmm. try to figure out how to be there, how to care for, how to protect? And then you realize you really can't protect. You know what I mean? Like, what is that doing to you?
1: You know, most circumstances, I can figure out a way through it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I can lead through it. I can compensate. I can, you know, buck up and just get through it. But this one, this this has been a challenge. Yeah. Um, because I can't control it. Yeah, I can affect it. Mm-hmm. And I think I understand that, you know, my presence, my unconditional love, my... Optimism, you know, the hope that for I those have. who speak
2: Enneagram. <clears throat> yeah, right. He's a seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I, I think God knew way before we met and married what she was going to be battling and who she needed to walk this journey with her. And I think God has wired me in a way, you know, as sucky as circumstances can be sometimes I always see the silver lining. You know, God's just yeah. given me that that innate ability to see the silver lining. So I think that has given us the ability to keep going and stay together. Um, I don't know what the divorce rate is for marriages that struggle with, with mental illness, but it's pretty high statistic yeah. you know, that that the marriages don't last. And after 43 years, I mean, we're in it for the long haul, and... It, it will continue to be something that we battle together, but we pay attention to it. Yeah. You know, we don't ignore it. We talk about it. Yeah. We continually depend on the Lord's grace and provision when she goes down, because that still happens. Yeah. It's, it's deep
2: and it's down.
1: And thankfully we do live in community. We Mm -hmm. don't live in isolation. Um, big deal. As much as Krista will isolate when she goes down, she doesn't hold me to that isolation. Hmm. So I still have the that's liberty good. to engage and be in community. And it's not a secret. Yeah. Um, so we do talk about it. And I think there's a lot of relief that comes from that. Yeah, that's And good. sometimes a lot of healing that yeah. can come from that.
2: I'll never forget the year that um, <clears throat> when Sherry was leading worship at our women's retreat. And she goes, okay, Krista, this is the year that you're going to share your story. And I went, I don't think so. She goes, nope, it's it's time. Mm -hmm. And, oh my gosh, I'll just... The room, it was packed, three or four maybe, I don't know how many hundreds of women. And God gave me the grace to share it. I've never... I've never experienced... I mean, the women literally lined up. Mm. And so the rest of the weekend...
1: You took the the lid lid. off the topic.
2: Yeah. I took the lid off. And I I mean, it was... I I just... They were literally lined up after every session. You know, just share their hearts, their stories. Let me pray for them. And that's when it was like,
0: wow. Well, and that's... We got a
2: problem. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: and that speaks volumes to I think the the trap when you're in leadership is to present what you think is expected of you. Mm-hmm. Present this life, present this spiritual life, mm-hmm. present this marital life as mm-hmm. this picture that you presume I'm in leadership, therefore I need to appear like this. Mm-hmm. And it's such a trap and it's such deception because the freedom and the healing that can come when our leaders are transparent and vulnerable and real and demonstrate that uh, I can love Jesus and be in pain. Yep. I can have a relationship with God and be struggling.
2: Right. Um, right. Right. I, and
0: that's
2: just now starting to
0: change. It's like, just now starting to change. There's but oh, we've the, so far to go. And
1: conversely, those leaders, any individual who hides from their true struggles yeah keeps a secret and yeah. the secret is the foothold that the evil that's one will mm-hmm. will grab a hold of yeah. and that's why there's so much burnout so much spinning out yeah why sadly people in leadership and sadly in the church sometimes end up in the ditch
2: yeah. Well, And good. secret sins can kill you. They and they that's really one of the things we talk about at Be Free Indeed is that... And our groups are very raw, raw mm-hmm. and real. Mm-hmm. And um, the enemy, you know, he's got to steal, kill, and destroy your mental yeah. health.
0: Well, and it, it's it's interesting because I think we don't realize that, that they hold so much more power when they are secret, when they're yep. kept in the closet with the door closed. Right. But as soon as you speak it it loses its power. It just immediately goes into
1: the light. Yeah. It goes from
0: being this giant monster to being right sized. And uh, Monty, I'm so glad you talked about community Mm -hmm. and the importance of that and the safety of that, because that that's where that light can come in. that's where that, that community can surround and be that place where the isolation can't, yeah. Um, the very thing that you think is going to protect you is the thing that imprisons you, right? Exactly. That's good. Um, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. that can be real. That's such a trap in the church. So Monty, you talked about always seeing the silver lining for you, Krista. I mean. I would think that when you're in a dark place, you want to smack the person who's always trying to find the silver lining. Like how, oh, how did learned. that help.
1: I've <laughs> learned who I express my optimism <laughs> to.
0: Smack or worse. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm real
2: Because
1: I've I learned a long time ago I can't fix her yeah. or fix the situation.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's it is hard. I mean it it's hard being married. I think one of the, the brilliant things about learning the Enneagram is that it really helped me understand and and learn to honor and appreciate and, and cherish who Monty is because mm, good. I you know all the years that I didn't understand and it was hard in our marriage, I just knew he couldn't get it because I, I know I know you've had a few days in your life depressed because <laughs> there's been toughs or really tough circumstances in our lives. But by and large, I know he doesn't get it, because the darkness is so dark. Yeah. It's just so dark, and isolation is the tool of the enemy. I mean, honestly, the lies that begin to develop in your mind when you are isolated, and you know, that juxtaposition between, I just want to feel safe and quiet and protected, it becomes dangerous so fast. Yeah. You know, because of the lies that you don't have the community and the voices that are balancing that to yeah. say, you know, no, you need to be with me. Let's, you know, let's get some sunshine. Let's take a walk. Yeah. How about eating something? You know, the right. things that I don't want to do. Yeah. I don't want to do. Yeah. I want to stay in bed. Yeah. And I don't want to eat. I don't want to see anybody.
1: Well, what I had to learn is that. The simplest things when you're depressed are overwhelming. Yeah. And it's not logical.
0: Right. There's but no it's logic. just
1: real. And thus, it's easier to stay in bed and pull the cover over your head and not have to make a single decision.
2: Yeah. Making a decision is impossible. Hmm. To get up and take a shower. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's. it just feels like... The most overwhelming thing you can possibly imagine. Yeah.
1: And I think it would be obvious to say, well, what's wrong? Are your medications wrong? Are your circumstances wrong? You know, you're living in two states now. That's got to be it. Or you're, you know, you don't have access to your grandkids for a month. That's got to be it. But none of that adds up. Right. As to Logically. Logically. Does it influence it? Maybe a little bit. But that's why we're always chasing mm-hmm. mental health, being healthy. Yeah, you can't just get a prescription and think, okay, we're good now.
2: No, it and will
1: always be something that we battle, and you yeah. know, unless God does provide complete healing.
2: Yeah, and yeah,
1: after thirty some years, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's going to happen.
2: No, no. I, the eternal optimist says it's not going to happen. I mean, obviously he could, but I mean, I still feel like he says in my spirit all the time, you know, people don't understand that we as Christ followers are called to suffer.
0: Hmm.
2: Not that's not the only thing we're called to, but we don't really hear a lot of teaching about that, that there's a beauty in learning to suffer well. Yeah. And I think that's one of my heart cries, is let's learn to suffer well, and that brings a lot of attention to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that's bringing Him attention is what glory is about. I'm on a sabbatical right now. Mm -hmm. Be Free Indeed is, you know, is kind of in a little bit of a dormant state. We have, you know, some ministry going on, wonderful leaders and and such, um, trying to write a book I've been well the Lord told me the first year that Connor was born, you're gonna write a book so write it all down. So I have I literally have a journal for at least one for every year. Yeah. 2019 was a very difficult year hmm. and um, I had had such good years mm-hmm. you know when we started be free indeed, I was just really really having a wonderful time. But 2019 hit and a lot of, a lot of circumstantial things hit one after another hard ones. Yeah. I didn't realize until I went on the sabbatical a year ago, January, that I was carrying a lot of people's pain hmm. and I hadn't learned it's good. not to. Yeah. And so once I kind of said, okay, I'm not coming to meetings. I'm not, you know, I'm not leading the ministry, you know, everything, yeah. all the leaders were doing their thing and it was good. Um, and I began to just write, and God was just pouring out mm-hmm. my story. And then all of a sudden, one day, I thought, my is not the only story here. Mm-hmm. we got to have many stories. And mm-hmm. so the book has turned into freedom stories. Mm, so there's 10 of us. I'm so thrilled about the people who are uh, writing and for Drew Tilton, who's coming alongside me. But I'm telling you, I've had, it's like, I will have six good months and I'll get a lot of writing done. And then all of a sudden it's not good. Yeah. And so.
1: We're just coming out of probably one of the hardest. Yeah. Seasons. Yeah. The, it's the last been,
2: six months. You've ever had. Yeah. And I got COVID, you know, I was doing really well and got COVID and it just went to my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And in the midst of it, the incredible blessings from God, I was able to get a new doctor in Mission Viejo. I tried to find a doctor here and it wasn't coming together. And so um, I'm just thrilled. And I was over medicated again. Yeah. And not to any fault, really. I mean, 98% of psychiatry is a crapshoot in yeah. terms of, well, let's try this combination and with good intentions. Yeah. By and large, good intentions.
1: Not um, only finding the right medication, but the right dosages.
2: Yeah. Yes, it's just the titrating. This is a whole new word that I've learned this year of that. Um, but this new psychiatrist is um, a different kind. He's a medicinal psychiatrist, and it's, um, it's a discipline that's out of the University of Utah. And three hours he spent with me my first appointment And he Mm. looks into every window of my health, Mm. not just the, you know, just not just the medical side, the brain and how it's functioning chemically, but how I make decisions, what are my relationships like, Mm. what, you know... um, all my health, and he, I'm just so thrilled, and he has been reducing my meds for the first time in years. Wow. I'm off one med that I was on for 21 years. Wow. Since the day, since that first year, I'm off of it now. Wow. it's amazing. And I don't I tremble anymore. Mm. I'm, sure, I'm sure-footed. Mm. You know, there are side effects to medications, yes. and I'm feeling better than I have in years, really. Wow. Yeah, so... You picked <sighs> a good time to come be. to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's,
0: there's so much here. And um, there's a couple of things that... First is... I think there's this interesting juxtaposition of being able to posture yourself that this isn't your identity... That took a lot. Right? A lot. So it's like... A lot but, of but, inner <laughs> healing. But that almost is a contradiction to saying you may never be healed. Right? Mm-hmm. right. So how do mm-hmm. you... So I think that that's a really powerful thing because there's something about being able to go, this isn't who I am, mm-hmm. This is, but this is something I battle with. This is mm-hmm. something that happens to me.
1: That's very insightful of you to there's say a that. Difference that's very there's, fundamental.
2: Very to fundamental. To yeah. There's a coping. difference between being healed and being cured. Mm, it's good. That's a big deal. You just really have to understand that, you know, if you have diabetes, you're probably not going to not have diabetes, right? Right. So if you have a brain that tends to have, you know, lows and highs, that medically, outside of God's, you know, healing, is probably something that, well, I'm going to deal with the rest of my life. So there's probably not a cure, Mm -hmm. but I am healed. Mm -hmm. And I'm it's I'm healed in my spirit. Yeah. And that is where my identity is, is in my spirit. Because it's and I had to go through months of inner healing. Yeah. I've had therapy and I've had inner healing. They're a wonderful marriage. Prayer healing. Yeah. Yeah. Inner healing, prayer ministry, where and this is what Be Free Indeed is based on is inner healing. Yeah. And that is where you invite Jesus into the wounded places. Yes. Yeah, so and you good. find out where's the first when when was the first time yeah. that you experience that fear that mm-hmm. you're feeling or that um, you know, that particular emotion that is presenting in that session. Yeah, where's that door? Yeah. Where is the door? Mm-hmm. And then you close the door. Yeah, Jesus let that door be closed and and it doesn't mean it's not going to be open. Yeah. I mean, been, my, those experiences I had in trauma with my, my family, you know, I'll think that door's closed. And then, you know, even a, last year, I was like, whoop, that door opened again. Yeah.
1: That's what we call triggers.
2: Triggers. There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how does that transform your faith? I mean, your, your, your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> you know i mean i i think we can play christian all day long you know and we can go through the motions and say and do but when you're in that darkest of dark places and you hear him and see him and he's not and and i think that it's an important thing like he, we're not always rescued from the dark place but he's he can be there with you mm-hmm. And when you experience that, that changes you and changes your
2: faith. So what did that look like? Or what does that look like? You know what's coming to my mind is that that moment where I said in my spirit to my earthly father, you just watch me. Hmm. And now I say to my heavenly father, Hmm. watch me. Yeah, because it it's him. In fact, I have a tattoo on my shoulder. You have a tattoo right here, and it's a dove. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's it's the reminder to me that Jesus, well, that God the Father, just as He gave Jesus and gave everyone the message, "This is my Son, in whom yeah. I'm well pleased." Yeah, He's saying to me every day. I'm so pleased with you. Mm, It's good. No matter how you feel. Yeah. No matter who, just no matter anything. Yeah. I'm right here. Yeah, it's good. I'm pleased with you. And
1: that's the root of identity, right? Yeah, so good. And why identity, having an accurate identity of ourselves based on how God sees us and what God has provided for us. That's the true Condition, that's the true identity. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that want to rob that from us. Yeah. Yeah. Once we have that kind of identity, you know, I, I think you rise above your circumstances, and it's it's really more that position that allows us to keep going, keep having faith. Mm-hmm. And staying positive and optimistic that you know, something good is around the corner, too. It's yeah. not just fearing, oh, my gosh, you know, are you going to be depressed for a season? That's not, you know, even talking about this and making this the center of of the conversation. It's not something you want to have to talk about. Yeah. But it's okay because it doesn't, right. this doesn't define who we are.
2: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and it doesn't define us as a couple either. I mean, we have passions that we... I mean, we love people. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: We're called to people. Yeah, We always have been. When we met on our tour, we were about... We were always about other people. And that's just, I think, the nature of how God made us. And so, you know, when I'm feeling good i love that and when i'm not feeling good i still love the fact that he is still i mean he'll do the fire pits and mm-hmm. all of that stuff and i i i love that yeah. you know and even though i'm not able to at that point i don't feel guilty i used to and it took me a long time to get over that mm, yeah but i'm like no well, that I, will
1: perpetuate the depression exactly just the guilt it just shame. makes yeah. me
2: feel shame, worse yeah. yeah the shame and so that's shame is one of the enemies top it, yeah I mean so shame so yeah we, and one of the things we say at glue our, our, our small group at Be Free and Need is called glue gals <laughs> like us say stop shouldn't on yourself uh uh-uh, uh we don't yeah. do that here and there's just no um, that would
1: be shoulding
2: no <laughs> more should <shoulding>. should. Right. <laughs> yeah because shame is, is a big deal and, you know, in a marriage, expectations, there's expectations that there's reality. Yeah. Everything in between can be disappointment, anxiety, whatever you want to call it. And in a marriage, you know, you, you're always having to deal with, and I struggle with that because I want to please Monty. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be the good wife and I love to cook. That's my creative space, mm-hmm. and Monty is the creative in the family. Um, when you say you all create the space, it's predominantly him. He's very artistic, but cooking, I love, and that's much. It's a big part of hospitality, so Absolutely. I do enjoy doing that. So, I've kind of getting to where I've worked through the grief and disappointment in myself when I'm not able yeah, to do that. But it's okay. Yeah. You'll go to Costco and get stuff. And- well, and it's so interesting
0: because even even that isn't your identity because you can get wrapped up in, if I can't do that, then I'm not... I don't have worth in this space or I don't have worth in this marriage or I don't have worth Mm -hmm. in the church or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. And so Mm -hmm. identity is about surrendering all of it, whether it's a negative thing or whether we think it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But actually just being a son or a daughter
2: and Mm -hmm. actually being okay with Mm
0: -hmm. that. Surrender is the word that you said.
2: Surrender. You know, that's another thing that... I think we forget in the Western Church is that surrender mm. is such a beautiful thing. yeah it takes the pressure off. yeah Because if we surrender, then we can really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, yeah. saying, only do and say what the Father says., yeah. Don't try to perform your way into anything. Listen. Well, it's about Listen. dependence,
0: right, yeah. right? You know, it forces us into a place of dependence, which is really where we need to start. And it also positions us to receive. And that's not an easy thing to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially um, not in our culture.
0: And just honestly, the, the gift and what you have to give in those spaces is different because of what you walk through as well. So here God's gifted you in a way to... I talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Like you guys have a lot of people you've poured into. Um, You are about people. You do create safe spaces. Monty, you're a champion of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've seen very few people champion the way you do. Let's talk about that because that is such a part of the things he's knit you together to be. And it is both of you even if Christy you feel like you can't or you feel like he creates the spaces it it is the two of you one of the things that is so significant to me is is the depth of partnership in marriage and you alluded to it even in health and healing like Mm -hmm. god knew that krista needed a partner Mm -hmm. for her to walk through this but you also can't stand where you are Mm -hmm. uh, and do what he's called you to do without krista staying next to you because Mm -hmm. you both are called to Mm -hmm. that place and so what is it that god has called you guys to do and what does that look like because i see you know you see on instagram (laughs) you guys in your your amazing fire pit you know i mean god's doing crazy things in and through both of you so let's talk a little bit about that
1: so that's I like this topic Um, we were talking about surrender and freedom and you know we're now into our 60s and there's got to be some benefits to living a lot of life yeah you know and there's part of that that the benefit I'm seeing right now is the freedom not to produce
0: Mm, it's good
1: the ability to just be yeah, and the heightened awareness then of what's God doing, you know, yeah. rather than what am I trying to manufacture?
0: That's a big deal coming from you. Cause you're a producer.
1: I'm a striver. Yeah. I was a striver. I, yeah. I look back.
0: I'm still trying to get used to it. <laughs> and I'm like, Wait, who are you? What have you done with Monty? Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I
1: look back the, at the, you know, the height of my ministry career and to do two or three jobs was just kind of normal. Yeah. You know, leading Coast Hills, involvement with Maranatha Music, and started a worship institute, you know, at the same time. While we had little kids, you know, it was yeah. like, but that was so normal to me. Yeah. Because I was a producer and probably a striver. And I don't think it was to try to gain someone's approval or accolades. I was just wired that way. Yeah. But now I'm embracing this new freedom
0: mm-hmm.
1: to not have to be producing or striving.
0: Yeah.
1: It was really cool. One of the worship mentor gatherings uh, in New Jersey, Norm might have been at that mm-hmm. gathering, but we, we had Brennan Manning come. Yeah. Were you at that?
0: No, I heard about it from Roy.
1: Yeah. Well, Roy was mm. certainly there. He was leading that that ministry. Um, but Brennan, Brennan Manning was in his last days. Yeah. And one of the questions, I think Stan might have asked Brennan, um, what's the biggest threat to modern-day Christianity? And he thought for a minute, and he said one word, ambition.
0: Hmm. Ambition. And that really
1: stuck with us. And I realized, too, that, I mean... Being productive is a great thing. I mean, look at you. You're productive. You're you're moving the needle. You know, for the kingdom because of your productivity. So there's there's such a thing as healthy ambition, yeah. but there's a disease we have that um, productivity does define us. Yeah. That we find our worth through what we produce. Yeah. That that's just wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: It's um, good. So for me. I'm entering into a season where I'm not down in the weeds of leading slingshot as much. And with the pandemic, that kind of shut the world down. So travel uh, ceased. And I had to come to terms with just being hmm. and being content with lack of productivity. Yeah. But I think because I have a, a sincere identity that's rooted in how God sees me, and what what scripture teaches me, that I'm really okay with that. So in this season where I don't feel like I need to be productive, I am more available than ever Mm. to respond to people. Mm, So I find a lot of joy pouring into people, like even here in Nashville, people I've known for years, many of them in worship or the music industry, they're hungry for mentors. Yeah. They're really hungry for people that have gone ahead of them. Yeah. So with you know, more time and less travel, I'm really able to pour into people. But I don't have to go seek them out. Yeah. I have relationships and those relationships come to me. Yeah. And so being available to just encourage, champion, yeah. mentor.
0: That's good. And
1: sometimes confront if necessary yeah. um, that's what I get to do and mm-hmm. that's very fulfilling to me um, yeah. but, but those are things that um, they're not measurable accomplishments Yeah, it's not like it's producing good. an event right. or leading worship for a, a gathering uh, or writing a book it's just little by little investing in people and for me as a 7 that's, I thrive on that
0: yeah, it's good do you think that you know? You work with Slingshot now. You help staff churches all across America, mm-hmm. and a lot of the Western Evangelical Church is built on ambition. Is mm-hmm. built on being the next biggest, greatest, mm-hmm. growing numbers. How many people in your Bible study? Is your pastor mm-hmm. written a book? Mm-hmm. Are they a strategic leader? Are they all this stuff? How do yeah. you? How can we reconcile? Good. That what really feels like, and and I I would argue that the pandemic was a, a, Mm -hmm. God is resetting Mm -hmm. the church, has been resetting all these, these, we've built our little kingdoms and our programs Mm -hmm. and our things. And God's kind of going, okay, we're going to tear down that altar and we're going to, we're going to unearth this idol. You kind of hid under your bed over here and we're going to kind of do a grand reset. Mm -hmm how do we reconcile the two? How do we as the church move forward? How do we we reset? Mm -hmm. Is that something that can only happen when you're 60 and you can reflect and finally receive? Or is that Mm -hmm. something that we can mentor Mm -hmm. this next generation that is going to be leading in a time that is unprecedented in history in the church? I think
1: part of the reset and some ways the silver lining to the church yeah. is people's resetting what gathering looks like. Yeah. What community looks like. Mm-hmm. What I'm sensing and hearing out there in the church landscape is a deep need for people to be together in true community. Yeah. And we're hearing a lot about discipleship now. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of the the, the the new buzzword again, you know, which yeah, right. Back from the '70s and '80s, <laughs>
0: um,
1: but rooted in that is not a program, yeah, to take someone through a linear mm, uh, process for maturity and discipleship, yeah. But relationships that are real and yeah, deep and good. authentic and honest and natural,
0: yeah, it's good. Um,
1: I think that's the opportunity we have going yeah. forward as a church, and so how does that? work with ambition. I, I I think Gen Z and even the Millennials are suspicious of leaders who are ambitious, who are trying to build their platform. Yeah, it's good. Rather than step off the platform and just be with me. Yeah, you know, it's just so Just be with me and walk with me. Yeah. So that's an opportunity we have as leaders in, in this reset that I think we're going into in the church. And that's you know, the ripple effect of that has a lot to do with staffing structure, hmm. the kinds of people we're looking for. But you know, if we get to the root of our identity and find in that godly character, hmm. that's a recipe for great things to happen.
0: Yeah, it's good.
1: Especially in the context of community. Bottom line, it's it's getting real with each other, whether we're talking about mental health, or addiction, or, you know, wounds that are Mm -hmm. from the past. If churches can't be the place to reconcile those things.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's too bad. Yeah.
1: Because it is, the church is the hope of the world. And, you know, that's where we find Jesus. But so many times we focus on these external, these external things that aren't at the root of what, why we exist as a church
0: yeah it's good it's good well thank you guys for sharing but thank you for who you are and for standing where you're standing and for leaning in and living what you believe and being a light to a generation of Leaders that need people who will stand in that place with truth and authenticity and honesty and vulnerability mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not pretend to have it all together, but yeah. be honest when you don't. And um,
1: yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the vulnerability part of it. I mean that that is a part of that recipe.
0: Yeah,
1: is vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. because that's the way we connect, right?
0: Yeah, is totally. when we do get vulnerable. Yeah, with God and with each other. Yes. And trusting and believing that he is a safe place, mm-hmm. and then being that for one another mm-hmm. is is powerful. That's where the miracles can happen, right? That's right. Yeah, That's good breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you. And Thank your you. fire pit, Thanks. church services, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, and all that God does in and through you. It's significant. And excited for the thing, the book that's coming. I'll be praying for you, Krista. <sighs> Thank you. That that. Uh, God's going to use that in profound ways and I know he already has been using Be Free Indeed and he's going to continue to do so, so God bless you guys, look forward to seeing the things
2: he has in front of you I'm mm-hmm. excited. Thank you, let's go have some lunch around that fire pit. Yeah, sounds Sunshine's. like plan. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Well, before we go I just want to take a moment and sit here for a minute There was a lot there and we're in a day and age where there's a lot of people struggling with anxiety, with depression, with various degrees of mental health struggles. And you may relate to the things that Krista was sharing, the darkness that can overcome and overwhelm so easily and the battle to maintain control over your thoughts your emotions to struggle through medication and doctors and what the best solution is and hoping for a quick fix and not finding it or finding relief for a moment and then not trusting Jesus for healing and receiving some, but not all and everything in between. And if that's you right now, I just want you to know that you are seen and you are known and you are loved. And you listening to this conversation is a demonstration of that love that you're here right now and so I just want to encourage anyone out there who's listening and if that's you I want to encourage you with a couple of things that came up and the first is don't isolate it may be exhausting it may be overwhelming it may be all you can do to lift your phone up off of a table but call someone, call a friend roll over tonight and tap your spouse on the shoulder and say I'm struggling and I can't do this alone call a friend and ask for prayer but don't let the enemy use his favorite trick which is to bring shame and to isolate and let Monty and Krista's story stand as a testimony of what God can do when we surrender to him even in those darkest places when we trust him with the journey when we let go of shame and condemnation, have grace for ourselves and one another, and when we allow ourselves to become a wounded healer like him, that sweet place where he takes our pain and he makes beauty for ashes where he utilizes the journey that we are on of suffering. And through it, he brings redemption and healing. So Father, in Jesus name, I pray for every son and every daughter that can hear my voice right now. Holy Spirit come. Lord, I pray for your tangible presence. I pray for a glimmer of hope. Lord, I thank you that you are above, below, and front, behind, and on either side of every one of your kids. That you have good things good plans for each and every one of them thank you that you count every tear and thank you that nothing is wasted so father would you bring hope would you bring healing lord would you bring freedom and would you bring peace. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sacred Space Podcast and this conversation with Monty and Krista. And if you would like more information about Slingshot Group, you can click the link in the episode notes. If you uh, want to check out Be Free Indeed and you are struggling with mental health and you would love to find resources and a support system? Check out BeFreeIndeed.net and the network of people that are um, there waiting to love you. If you want to support the production of this podcast and other projects that we do at Stockton Ministries like the guided scripture meditations and prayer class and so many other things you can click the donate button in the episode notes or you can go to our website stocktonministries.com or GinaStockton.com, and you can click the donate button in the top right hand corner you can also check out our website and the other things we do and we would love for you to reach out send us an email let us know what God's doing in and through you I hope that you have an amazing week. You know how much you're loved and we will see you next time in the sacred space.